Hello, everyone. Welcome to the I Used to Be Seen, But Now I'm Just a Dude podcast with your host, me. <laughs> How's everybody doing today? Good? It's kind of it's kind of bad weather out today, actually, which, to be honest, I'm really okay with. But, you know, I, I don't like the the summer heat, how hot it gets. I mean, it's August, you know, so some people would say, well, it's not. It's not really summer anymore. The fall's coming. And I'm just like, have you been around in August? Turns out in Minnesota, actually, it's not really hot. (laughs) It's not at all. Not really, no. It's not. It's pretty cold already. I wouldn't say it's cold. Cold, that's, that's, that's not, that's not true. But, you know, in comparison to, like, how it was when I was living in Georgia in the south, it was, that was hot. That was real hot. Anyway, hello. I'm here to talk about the year 2006 and uh, some albums that impressed me uh, during that time. This is my top five albums of 2006. Uh, I want to point out, by the way, that this is my keyword, my 2006 top five albums, my <laughs> Not objectively the best albums of 2006 because then I would have to listen to a lot of music I really don't want to listen to and have to like try and objectively hear bands and be like, wow, this band did a really good job of album structure and, you know, they had a great way of leading from song to song, keeping whether it would be like a, 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 a central theme or whatever like all that crap i i I love that stuff but that's i i don't want to do do that i want to be biased (laughs) and this is what i like (laughs) this is my stuff um funny thing about this about 2006 by the way i looked up uh i was i was doing some research because i need to remember exactly what came out in 2006 because it kind of all blends together you know i was like oh you know i think this album came out in 2006 you know i thought i thought white chapel is this defilement the somatic defilement came out in 2006 turns out it came out in 2007 did that for quite a few more albums and i was like oh man what all came out actually in 2006 did you know what did come out in 2006 did you know high school musical and did you know what high school musical did by releasing in 2006 they were number one in sales on the billboard and number one in sales in the u.s <laughs> Of albums in 2006, High School Musical. It's funny because 2006, I was a freshman in in, in high school, so for me, uh, that makes sense. <laughs> but for like you know people that weren't between the ages of 12 to 19, I guess that's a stretch. Even probably 12 to 17, uh, I, that comes out as a bit of a shock. High School Musical blowing up that much. I mean, you know, the soundtrack isn't terrible. Uh, I've certainly had my fair share of listening to it via my family. I liked it, but I never spent my own time listening to it. And it was always on anyway, so I guess I never really had a chance to have to figure it out. But I thought that was very interesting uh, that it was it was good old Zac Efron and Vanessa Hudgens chopping their way to the... They probably didn't even see that much money, to be honest. They were kids. Not like they needed. They both... Their names blew up anyway. But still, like, how much cash cow money did uh, uh, Disney bring in based off of, of just those revenue sales alone? Woo, buddy! And, like, there's no way those kids saw that much revenue. Maybe they had good agents, but 
I still can't be can't be that much not for being number one and uh and so and 2006 that you know records were still records were still pretty big actually iPods weren't weren't that big in 2006 I think that was the year the the iPhone came out I believe as well look look at that we're already googling stuff I th- I told myself that we we're gonna Google less this episode because I actually I actually looked up stuff iPhone year release 2007 so it wasn't even out yet the iphone the iphone didn't even exist in 2006 you just had the ipod just the ipod and not everybody was using ipods at the time crazy crazy all right let's dive in to my top five just kidding actually i want to do honorable mentions first because i think that's a cool thing to do my first honorable mention is dying is your latest fashion by escape the fate situations are irrelevant now sitting in this room playing russian ruler so lock and load mercenaries i see the smoke from the hilltop so I should definitely not go super into detail about these records because I could really talk about actually all of these notable mentions as well as the five that I'm going to pick in my countdown, but I want to focus on the five countdown. What I do want to say about this album is that Situations was one of the first songs I ever listened to during this time that I realized that you didn't have to totally scream on all of these albums to sound dark and cool. You know, this is still pretty young me and my idea of like heavy music is Linkin Park. I think that's it. Uh, I was never really a Slipknot guy. I, I mean, I, I just like my punk and pop punk music. You know, at that time I was just super into Green Day and Blink-182. So Situations was like this cool introduction of like, hey, by the way, we can sound really cool, edgy and dark and sad and emo. Uh, I guess actually My Chemical Romance was around during that time, but I don't think I really listened to them. I knew what Helena was. I listened to Helena, and and I'm not okay. I guess they didn't. For some reason, that didn't really click as much though, as 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 situations did for me, because I would have listened to that before. uh, Then this came out. Interesting. Learning stuff about myself as as we go along here on the show. What do you know? All right, let's move on to our next honorable mention. Coming up, honorable mention number two is Count Your Blessings by Bring Me the Horizon. Something I do want to say about this album is that I'm going to be like one of those people their first album was their best. I understand they had a lot of changes. Ollie Sykes had a lawsuit. He also blew out his vocal cords because of that <laughs> that record. <laughs> uh, their other stuff is great. I'm not opposed to it. Good for them. I'm glad they blew up. I'm glad they, they're making money. That's super cool. I'm not upset about it. But personally for me, Count Your Blessings is very, very well done. Uh, go listen to it if you haven't if you like that old school deathcore sound they're definitely the reason why deathcore blew up them in Whitechapel and Suicide Silence deathcore pioneers right there in my opinion next 
on the honorable mention list. This is someone I've talked about in the last episode, actually. The band I talked about in the last episode, actually, is Still Searching by Census Fail. Calling all cars, we got another victim. Cause my love has become an affliction. So if you ever played Guitar Hero during that time, you'd probably recognize that song. It was on two or three, I believe. That wasn't how I found the band, though. I found them uh, on Pure Noise. There is a band that came out in 2005 or 2006. I don't know their name. I don't know how the song goes. But I've thought about this band every single day not every single day i thought about them enough times throughout each year since 2006 that i really want to know what it is and i have i've looked i've searched and i have no idea what they're called I've, i'll never find it the only thing i can remember is that it looked like there was trees <laughs> on the album cover and birds and it was black and red colors and they sounded like kind of like Senses Fail. Not Senses Fail always had that like pop punk edge to them. You know, they were dark though. I think they had screaming. I found them on Pure Noise. They were on a, a, a CD that I burned that I used to listen to. Have no idea what their name is. Can't ever find them. No idea. It's it's driving. I've found like every other band from my past except this one because they're so obscure. They're so random. Oh, anyway, so yeah, Still Searching, great album, uh, Calling All Cars, one of my favorite favorite songs from 2006, actually. Uh, however, st- not quite on my top five, but very, very close. Moving on, what we got next? What we got next? All right, one last honorable mention, and that is this EP was the moment I realized how much I really liked pop punk. <laughs> This EP is number six. If it's not, it, it didn't make it on my top five for reasons I'll get into, but it's number six. And that is Put Up or Shut Up by All Time Low. Alzheimer Low actually grew up not far from where I did uh, in the, I believe it was, I know the band's based out of Towson. I'm, I'm pretty sure the members of the band grew up over in the PG County area, Baltimore City District area. Uh, I'm not exactly sure on that, though. I, I do know that they're from, from Towson. I knew actually people who know them. Uh, I got to see them when they were in their early beginnings uh, around when this came out actually was pretty cool. It was 2000. It's either late 2006 or early 2007 when they were really starting to pick up. I remember this, this EP kind of really got them to get going. And then they came out with their, their full length. Uh, technically it's their second full length, but I don't know if they really like to talk about their first full length. <laughs> I liked it. I liked their first full length too. Put Up or Shut Up is a really impactful 
EP for me. Uh, it didn't make my top five only because I feel like the five that are there really solidify my nostalgia for 2006, I guess. Uh, but it's close. It's it was really hard to put this as as my my number six for sure. I don't I, again. I don't I don't really want to go too much into this because we still got a lot to go over for the for my top five. But I will say that if you haven't listened to it and you like pop punk or you like early thousands, you know, quote unquote emo music, uh, you might actually enjoy this. It's very very good. I the, the record is is really solid. It's also pretty short. I think it's only thirty minutes, seven songs. Uh, definitely go check it out. All right, now. Time to drop into the top five. So I came up with these five albums based off of looking back 14 years later and what impacted me the most <clears throat> and what really state or, or mainstays in my mind, you know, what furthered my music interests as both a musician and just a music lover and how I feel about those albums looking back now. So let's just jump into it. Number five, I have On Frail Wings of Vanity and Wax by Alisana. It is the oldest story in the book. He desires the one thing he cannot have. I love, I love the way that song starts. I love it so much. Even to this day, it's in 14 years of listening to this record, and every time I hear that intro, I'm just ready to go. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. They used to open their sets like that, and you're just like, oh, man. Like, let's go. You know, it's it's so great. It's such a great way to to open a show. It's a. I wish that's the way the the album opened, to be honest. They have one of those. It's called Icarus. They they named their um, first track. Uh, it's kind of one of those, you know, eerie, weird sounds, uh, kind of bass track where they, they, I, there's this like weird thing that bands used to do where it's just like, they had like talking over it and it was like kind of quiet or, you know, they had like obscure noises kind of leading up to the, to the, the actual album. I'm not hating on it. Uh, I think it's cool, you know, kind of gets you the feel of what's going on. Um, This album for me was the beginning stages of me being a scene kid, a hundred percent. You know, this was the record that put a lasting impression on my life, I think. In, in some sense for being how do I put this this is what really got me into the scene this is what really put my foothold into the actual scene part of the of the of the music scene where it was more than just music that's when I realized that like it was a culture it was a lifestyle and it was a little exaggerated that the, at that time I can totally agree uh, it doesn't have to be the way you look, the way you dress, it just that's how it was at that that current point in time. I don't I don't think music needs to be 
represented by the way you dress and it still happens today people still like there's still the this look that people have associated and that, that kind of just happens you like the way that people look you like the same music you have similar interests so you dress like them that's just just you know monkey say monkey do and i'm not saying that happens for everybody and that's always the case i mean be yourself please but <clears throat> definitely for 2006 kyle record uh i realized that i wanted to dress and look like these bands which were wearing all black everything everywhere and that made me realize that music doesn't stop at being music it starts becoming a part of your life and your lifestyle and who you are now i, I just don't let it like let me you know i don't dress <laughs> i don't dress like a musician anymore man i dress like a i don't know 35 year old <laughs> who watches far too much hockey uh <laughs> I just kind of wear whatever. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really have too much of a look. Um, I, at least I don't think so. I don't. I don't really know. I, I like what I like and I accept that and move on. So, things of songs on this album that really kind of gave me that impression. I would say, "Congratulations, I Hate You," is one of them. Uh, Apology would be another. Ambrosia, obviously, those are like the the staples of this record. But the the ones that are a little bit not quite as noticed uh, that I I personally really enjoy are the conversation is over and tilting the hourglass and congratulations I hate you. Probably probably congratulations I hate you is the is my favorite um, on this record that doesn't get quite enough love. I hate you. So something this record really did very well was the blending of multi-vocalists and multi-guitarists. So this this band is huge. Like uh, I think there's seven members in Alisana. I have to I have to look Alisana members. It's six or seven. I know they had three guitarists and two uh, vocalists. But da ba 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 one two three four five six members six members and then they had a pianist 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 a pianist uh, who also to play guitar so they they had plenty of uh, things going on all at the same time and they did a really good job of blending it you know it didn't feel like there's a lot of dual vocalist bands that were around I can think of mainly like metalcore and hardcore bands but there were there were quite a bit and this. This band did a really good job of establishing two screaming vocalists while having two singing vocalists. So it kind of worked like the main vocalist is a screamer. The lead vocalist, lead clean vocals, was a singer and a screamer. And then they had a backup clean vocalist as well. And they blended that all really well together. Uh, And I think that this record kind of put the idea in my head that you could blend vocals because there was always, although I don't know, Blink One Eighty Two is really, really good for what they do, but they never, they never gave me that impression. Everything kind of felt really linear. Uh, it, there was never this overlapping blend, and I eventually was able to find because um, I, I didn't know Taking Back Sunday at this current point in time. They're one of the bands that, in my mind, really sticks out. That does a really good job with that. But I was a little bit later to the game with Taking Back Sunday and like brand new. I never, I never, I didn't listen to those bands until about two thousand eight. 
2009. I wasn't right right there when they were first getting big. Uh, <clears throat> other than make damn sure because it was really popular, but I still didn't really really listen to the band's music that much. Um, I think make damn actually yeah this record that record came out in 2006. Then hence the reason why that it's not on the, on my top five because I love taking Mac Sundays because they just <laughs> it just wasn't an impression on me that year. I just didn't listen to it. Uh, so the, the big songs off of this one, Ambrosia, which is actually in the intro, um, and Apology are personally really close for me as far as like a nostalgia point, because me and my brother really listened to those songs a lot and our relationship, uh, as I started to get into some more into this kind of was able to progress because he was able to, you know, come into what I was listening to and like start to like it himself. Uh, and I thought that was really, really cool. And I've always had a really strong connection to those songs for that reason. Um, apology, especially thanks to <laughs> Punko's Acoustic Volume 2. Uh, Alessana did a really cool acoustic version of Apology uh, for that for that record. And I think that, that definitely put them on the map. I remember 2007 Warp Tour. There was, because I was around when Punko's came out end of 2006 early 2007 uh fearless records still making themselves relevant to today you know putting out those punk goes records from starting like 2005 2004 good on them uh i remember watching them at warp tour and there was just a huge huge crowd i mean they were on the main stage and there was tons and tons of people and it's kind of like man what's all these people watching alisana for like that's kind of insane you know they were i mean they were big they were big bands you know i saw them play five six five or six times definitely one of my favorite bands of all time i would i would definitely say um i don't i'm not gonna try and rank my favorite i i have over like five six thousand active songs i listen to on spotify and that's stuff that you know i listen to today there's plenty of bands that i've forgotten about that if i listen to again i'd be like oh man i love this band you know so i'm not gonna try and make a list for that uh but i guess as a send-off for this record i would say as it, in its entirety uh the feeling of it is definitely <laughs> sad and lonely um and kind of angry there's a little bit of angry at your girlfriend music coming out of this as well which you get all the time out of pop punk um not so much out of this kind of genre this is more of the distant void of my heart i'm blackened in my eyes kind of feel but a little bit of that in here as well uh love love this record really like the balance of vocals if you like you know that post hardcore early thousands i'll call it quote unquote screamo even though i don't really like that term too much because it's fine i'm not gonna get into that um i would definitely recommend listening to on frail wings of vanity and wax by alisana All right, so moving on to our number four album. This record, the first time I ever heard this record, I was sitting in, man, I wish I could remember why I was in, I was a fresh, so this is, yeah, I was 14, because I heard it, I, all these records I heard the year they came out. As a freshman, and I was in the senior's car who, um, 
you know, I knew I was in the same grade as his brother. And uh, he's like, hey, you started listening to, to – he probably called it Screamo at the time. I don't know. And I was like, yeah. He's like, you should check out this song. And this is what he played for me. Woof. That was what I said. Not really. My jaw was just like dropped when that started playing. I I was like he might he also had subs in his car too, so when that when that hit, I was just like, oh, what is this? And that was like one of my first introductions to Metalcore. Like Metalcore. Parkway Drive is a staple in metalcore. Parkway Drive, August Burns Red, stuff like that. There's, you could argue about what is metalcore, blah, 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 blah. In my mind, Parkway Drive is a staple in metalcore. They do such a great job of blending both hardcore and metal, and that is why Killing With a Smile is on my top five, sitting at number four, records of 2006. This record I've listened to time and time again. I can't even... I, it's it's great because this record for me is just timeless. So I would say the difference between this and let's say some of the other records on this album, on this list, let me look. Uh, I have to go back and look. No, okay. So I'd say like the difference between... The only thing that... And why Alessandra Number says number five is because it's very specific to a time. Whereas this record and pretty much the, the rest of them all feel timeless to me. I feel like I could listen to them now and I would still feel the same way if I listened to them now if I did you know, back in 2006, if I was discovering Killing With A Smile today, I would, I would listen to it all the way through and be like, this slaps. Uh, something that's very interesting to note about Parkway Drive's Killing With A Smile and something that, that kind of makes me a little bit disheartened with where they went now is they have this really good blend of hardcore and metal. like And, and they have like this really cool melodic aspect to a lot of their songs. Uh, they've stepped away from it since. They've gotten a lot more into the melodic feel, which is great. I'm, I'm a big fan, but they stepped away from the hardcore aspect of it, the punk aspect of it, and kind of have gone to a more mainstream metal melodic sound with like, you know, some cooler parts. And it's just not, it's not as much for me, you know, like I don't, they did the singing thing, which is cool. I think all bands should start to evolve and that, that's the way they evolved. And I think that's great and healthy. And I think that, you know, if you're trying to relive the same sound over and over and over again, it's just going to get dry and dull and stall out. So progress by all means. Just not really the, the direction that I want to go. Like I wanted it to go. I, I I would want them to go more towards the punk side of it. But that's that's me kind of like the the way that Census Fail did with their sound. Uh, I really like the way that Census Fail took the direction of their band, which is kind of sad because they <laughs> I feel like they kind of lost momentum to be honest. But um, this record through and through is what showed me like the blend of being able to play breakdowns with really great melodic parts. And, and this gets evolved on so much. Uh, and there, there are bands that have been doing this already for quite some time. Um, as blood runs black, I believe actually came out with a record a year before, uh, 
as they lay dying is one of the bigger ones that I know had been doing. And I listened to their record a little bit during 2006. I believe that came out 2005 was as they lay dying's first full length was 2005. Uh, so that, that was, it was definitely something that had influenced bands like this. And there's, there's plenty before metalcore has been starting, had been growing around, I think since 2001, 2000, 2001. So this is not anything new, but to me, <laughs> to me, <laughs> when I heard this, I was slightly frightened, but very excited. <laughs> it, was, it was insane. <laughs> it's really, really impactful. I, I will, I remember it was such a short drive to such a short period of time like we were probably going to some school event coming from school or something and someone had to give me a ride something like that something very small but that drive impacted me for the rest of my life <laughs> as i learned what parkway drive really was going to become uh so some of the songs that i i personally really enjoy my favorite song off this album is guns for show knives for a pro uh, every time they play that live, I absolutely lose it. This is the first song I can remember where, like, I have <laughs> I have mosh songs, songs that I hear. I'm just like, I'm going to mosh so hard, you know. But, like, really, it's, like, those songs that you're just, like, I get you pumped, get you amped. If I was working out, I'd put this on, uh, stuff that makes me feel, if I wanted to, like, get hyped for a tournament I was playing in or something like that, I would, I would put this on, you know, stuff, stuff that's like that the hype music, everybody's got the hype music. A lot of people like to play like trap, you know, when they, when they hype music, I like to play metalcore beatdown because I think about punching people or something like that, <laughs> something like that. Or, you know, I try not to do that as much or anymore at all, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so I, I am a big fan of, uh, guns for a pro knives for show. And this is how it goes. There are two interesting things about this song. On the, there are two releases of this song, and I don't know which one's correct. See, this one, this is the one that I I always have had, which is the edit that has the clip of the famous line from Die Hard, "You BKA motherfucker." Maybe that turned into some sort of a legal issue and it didn't get released on the the the, the full record I, because i've listened to it without the edit and i'm without the without the clip and i'm like where's the clip this is like the one of the best parts why isn't the clip here i want the clip and that could be the, the case i i haven't really looked into it um i should take a gander and find out why and i'll tell you on the next episode i don't want to look it up now because i feel like that's not going to be easy to find i'll have to do some digging but uh, that was it's interesting because that was one of the first times I ever heard a clip in a song and I was like this is kind of cool and so then now I've, I've experimented with it loads and put it in you know <laughs> tons of clips and clips of, of movies into songs and uh, I'm a big big fan of of actually adding clips because I think it's really it kind of gives you the visual image of what you're trying to say through music so if you like uh, some people just want to watch the world burn um line from uh batman i forget which one it is i think it's dark knight rises um 
you know, that that gives you like this idea of just like pandemonium breakdown. <laughs> Clips are always great for breakdowns. What do we want to do in between the pause and the breakdown? Meh. Put in a clip. They'll love it. You know, I, I'm a big fan of movie clips being inserted. And so that was my first introduction was through Parkway Drive's Gun for Show, Nice for Pro, of a clip being used in um, a song. I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, other things to note about this album, it's great front to back. They did. This is one of those records where they, they took the idea of a full album and wanted to make sure that it was seamless. There's nothing that really like come when you listen to the record, like you can listen to it front to back and it's not going to be like one of these things where like, well, this song just kind of feels like it's forced in here. And that's okay. If bands do that, like it's just a collection of songs they threw together as opposed to like one album where they took the idea of starting somewhere and, and ending it. And I really feel like Parkway drive on actually every one of the records does that where there's a feel the ebb and flow right there's like peaks and there's drops so they have songs that are heavier songs that are meant to be more impactful and other ones that are meant to be more relaxing and a little bit more you know laid back um obviously this is metalcore so that that's <laughs> laid back is used with a grain of salt but more melodic i guess you could say and more ones that are leaning towards the hardcore punk style of it so if you haven't listened to it take uh, and you like metalcore i i really don't know where have you been Maybe you've been sleeping under a rock, or maybe you're just getting into it, and that's really exciting, that's really cool. Go check out Parkway Drive's Killing With a Smile. And while we're on the subject of metalcore, we go on to our third album of 2006. This record was the record that got me into moshing. I love moshing. (laughs) I I do. I do. I love it. I love it. Uh, It's part of the reason why I love shows. I love that environment that it gives. I understand that there's a lot of controversy around this. So I'm not going to really focus on reasons why I think this is okay and this is not. Because I I think that people should act however they want to act within reason. As long as it's agreed upon with members in the audience. It's like like this is such, such a hard... Because I, I can't, I don't have, I don't have anything to defend violent moshing. I have nothing, I have nothing I can say about it. I can't really be like, I can't defend it. People just accept it. And I, I don't really know what to say. I love it. My friends love it. We love to do it. When someone doesn't like it, we usually avoid them. I don't really know. I don't really know what to say on that one. That's a, that's a tough subject for me to try to cover. But I will say that this band was the reason why I got into moshing. It was uh, that and my friends, obviously. Because when I had started really getting into the music scene, all of my friends were much older than I am. Uh, and then I started to find my own friends, you know, who are my age, uh, started to get into it as well. So, you know, they also came up with it. Like, we were all fascinated by moshing. I remember me and all my friends who were in my class. 
really got into it and really started doing like push pits around school and stuff and <laughs> I just always thought it was fun um I'll get into I'll get into my first experience moshing soon I that that's gonna that's coming up that's coming up but uh just moshing in general but this this band really started putting that on the map for me and this band has been consistent with every single album they've ever released to this day, there I, I did I mentioned in the last podcast there were three other bands and I forgot about this band. I feel so ashamed because this band has been has been consistent. I've listened to their records time and time and time again. But I guess I was kind of more on the the subject of a di- of different genres. I wasn't really on the subject of metalcore and or and or beatdown. I guess beatdown is like a genre of metalcore and hardcore combined, but just like for for just violence, <laughs> pure violence. At 2010 Warp Tour, this band tried to bring pure violence. And this album, as number three, is The Dead Walk by the Acacia Strain. This has to be one of the most listened to albums in my life. I love this record. It's so in your face. This is the idea that started to come around pretty much around this time, 2006, 2007, and then at its peak in 08, 09, and 10 of playing breakdowns throughout the majority of your song. So as opposed to being like this one-off piece, as some people might call it an interlude or a bridge it's your whole song baby we're slamming down breakdowns all day every day the breakdown and the way that acacia strain implemented that in their music is so impressive and very understated now they've been doing it for a while so it's kind of like some people are kind of bored of it i'm not (laughs) i'm not keep doing it their last record's absolutely absurd. But the cool thing about this is that they were willing to incorporate breakdowns and not have it be the same repetitive over and over 4-4 four, four structure, heavy, heavy, heavy. There's there's it's the structure to it. There's there's it's intricacy. And I think a really big propeller of the intricacy of their their music is their drummer the drummer's insane he grew up with the casey strain i think he was like 15 when they first started it was like 2003 i know 3750 came out in 2004 yeah i think because they they had a shirt for a while that said brie free <laughs> since 2003 uh, referring to bring which is pig squealing and he does such a good job with driving the body of their of their instruments which is you know since they're playing breakdowns a lot of it is emphasized based off the the bass drum primarily i mean the the double kick it has such you know their their bass drum has such a good driving force behind all of the low end sounds coming from the guitars because they're playing in i think this record's playing in drop c uh that or or uh drop f drop a i mean um, drop A is really, really, really low tuning. Uh, and this is before, you know, seven string guitars became really big. So they're still in six string 
which honestly I prefer. Love the way that seven string sounds, but I, I, I'm still more of a six string kind of guy myself, to be honest. Um, I think that seven string gets a little bit too much into like the digital sound that I, I really didn't like with Gent. I think Gent's really cool. Those It's really talented and I'll listen to it, but I don't like how digitized it sounds. It sounds too clean, too crisp. I want it to be a little loose. This record does such a good job of being so in your face, so harsh, <laughs> angry, mad, grr. <laughs> a Casey's Train Dabakori. <laughs> I lie, it's so great. Um, they do a really good job of blending the late 90s, early 1000s, like 2000, 2001 metal and throwing the aspect of breakdowns in there. And I I would say that this is they have cuz they have riffs that are influenced by hardcore. Um 4x4 is the one that really sticks out to to me in my mind that and see you next Tuesday are the two two songs where they're a lot more hardcore influence. There's hardcore parts to it. Uh, which are derived from punk, so there's you know, there's that that rhythmic punk hardcore kind of sound, but most of this is really just metal with just the core aspect being the breakdown. <laughs> that's where the, that's where the core comes from. There's a lot of it's a very very heavy in, metal influenced album with splashes of hardcore coming in. Uh, the way that four by four starts off is just every time I hear it, I'm like, yeah, let's get it, let's get it, boys. You know, they they always just like the, and the coolest thing about Casey Strain is they still play these songs. I saw them last, you know, before COVID happened. It was last October, I believe, uh, in Atlanta, and they were still playing. They played four by four. They played uh, "See You Next Tuesday" and they played "Whoa, Shut It Down." And they have like ten. 10 or 11 records and that's three out three songs off of this album just it really gives the head nod of just how good and how they realize how good this album was and those, you know, those are the songs that people want to see I, I when I go there and if they didn't play Woe Shut It Down at least I would be so sad like 4x4 is more understanding so I'm really glad that they still play it that's my favorite song off this record but uh the fact that they they still play any of them is 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 really 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 good and you know this um this album did for me is made me realize that like breakdowns can be just super heavy because <laughs> like a lot of the time you know when I'm, I'm getting into this and i'm starting to listen to more and more of this music and breakdowns are like this cool interlude part that i was referring to that are like really you know like the the post-hardcore scene bands like bless the fall or like alasana don't have these fat breakdowns where you have <laughs> You know, some of the breakdowns on this record that get absolutely insane. So the Dead Walk, sitting in number three, one of my personal all-time favorites the casey strain seen this band they're probably in my top five most seen bands live ever i've seen them a lot it's it's over 10 times at least i've seen them i see them every single time they come around always a good act 
maybe when the world stops ending, we can go back to watching shows. Go watch them play. They'll probably be doing another show because they're good at what they do, and I love what they do. Number three, The Dead Walk by The Case History. Alright, alright, alright. Moving right along to number two. This EP. That's right. My second favorite album is an EP. It's not even a full length. Is Timeless. Is Timeless. I listen to this record still today, every day. And I already said I already said all that. I already said these are all timeless, but holy crap, this EP when I found it was I found it the first day it ever came out. Day one, I've been listening to this band. Day one! I listened to it, and I was like, I love this. I found Put Up or Shut Up, like, a couple months earlier, and then this came out, and I was just like, I'm in love. I I must listen to this every single day, and I have. I, I, I still am blown away by it. I still think that it is. It's I, I think it's the best EP that has been released by a pop punk band. Mm. Maybe. <laughs> it's close. It's very close. That's hard. The one years have a couple that are, that might have something to say about that. Anyway, when I found this, I was still discovering myself as a musician, but this from a musician standpoint for me is huge. This is a lot of my a lot of my influence comes from the CP. I mean, it is the emotional aspect of being able to portray the way you feel. (laughs) And I had discovered, so I, I talked earlier about the dual vocalist thing, and I was like, wow vocalists can sing at the same time and this is just went right into it you know on frail wings claps introduce me to it here you go here's the next dual vocalist thing check it out and i was like i love the way they do this and that is tales told by dead friends by mayday parade i know that tomorrow will shine God, their harmonies are so good on the CP. Oh, their harmonies are so good. Both vocalists are insane. They're so, so well done. I want to know how long they spent on this EP. I want to know, like, did they just throw this together? Did they just sit down in the basement and be like, yeah, I think this is cool? Or were they just, like, slaving away in the basement, like, working real hard? I'm sure, I mean, they had to. Like, the way that this, this every single song sounds and obviously there's the staple of this album that everyone knows it was one of the biggest songs of 2006 three cheers for five years we can talk about that a little bit i guess that song that was the song i heard first i clicked on it they were like listen to this song i'm pure noise 
listened to Three Cheers for five years. I fell in love immediately. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. Uh, I definitely pirated it because, you know, I was fourteen and didn't have any money. I wasn't working yet. I started working later that year though, and I actually bought the album later that year. But I, I, I got it immediately. I was like, nope, going straight on CD. You know, because in 2006, I didn't have a iPod. So I had records. I just had CDs, you know. I burned so many CDs, man. And all the quality of, like, the songs that I pirated were terrible. I think I, I think what I did it was I took Audacity. I told Audacity to listen to what was being played through the, the system itself. And that was the way that I recorded everything. <laughs> uh, that already used the YouTube converter, but I don't think so because YouTube wasn't really big, so I don't think there were converters. I started doing that eventually, but that was uh, that was the way I used to when I, I would stream anything because streaming also was was pretty new at this point, uh, and just recorded it that way, and it wasn't very good. Anyway, three cheers for five years. First time I ever heard it. I I didn't cry, but I was close. <laughs> It was because it was so good. It was so so good. I mean, this EP front to back is is beyond impressive. The guitar parts are both intricate but simplistic. They're very melodic. They keep to the core fundamentals of pop punk music, but branch out in a way that allows them to remain in that pop sound yet stands out for musicians to appreciate that aren't just four rhythmic chords over and over again. This album taught me that you don't have to play power chords to sound poppy. To musicians, that means something. To non-musicians, I have no idea if that means something. But to me... That means a whole lot. This album is, I listen to it when I'm sad. I listen to it when I'm happy. It has had a lasting impression on my life and I will never, ever stop listening to it. Every single song I can depict at certain points in my life that was my favorite song off that, the record. Like literally every single one. <laughs> You know, they they all stand out at different points in time. One Man Drinking Games, uh, which is the third song off the EP, was my favorite in 2013. It, for some reason that year, it was just hitting right. Your song was my favorite two years ago. Obviously, the off the bat, Three Cheers for Five Years was my favorite. The song I played, you know, just a second ago, J Just Say You're Not Into It, was my favorite in 2009. I, I mean, this has never stopped being relevant in my life. <laughs> and albums, music just does that for me. And it's pretty crazy. Things that get missed in this record are the blend of lead guitar to the way that it mixes with the vocals. It's almost like it's the third melody. Sometimes they do that harmonic balance between rhythm parts and lead parts, but a lot of the time it's it's a backing vocal that acts because of the way that the, the harmonies of the vocalists are blending 
it gets mixed in there and it just sounds so good it sounds so good the last something that meant anything is the most underrated song on this album and i'm going to play it for you now because it's so good So I want to talk about the lyrics on this album for a minute because the way that they they wrote them are relatable to anyone of any age. There is a big mantra in the scene that the pop punk scene specifically where it talks to people in their adolescence or the people in their coming of age. And I think it was really great that Manny Parade decided to have I mean, sometimes, you know, there, there are splashes, obviously, that are, like, kind of fit to that mantra. But for the most part, is relatable to you at any point in time in your life. Because, you know what? You go through heartbreak at any point in time in your life, to be honest. I know people in their mid-40s and 50s now who are still going through stuff like that. It's really sad to see it, but <clears throat> I think that Made It Parade had done such a good job with their lyricism because they work together in their writing that it, it's not these basic I love you, she's so great lyrics. Instead it's things that are heartfelt and thought out that you can relate to that hit specific moments in time as opposed to generic generalism. Instead it's precise and hones in on memories or nostalgia that you may have, whether they're positive or negative. They do a really good job of being able to focus in on, on moments like that in your life that you have fond memories for. It also can remain current to how you feel now. There's not all these songs, like your song. Yeah, it can be implied about talking about since they're all males, a girl. But you can kind of place it to really anything. A friendship, your parents. So when you listen to this record, pay attention to their lyrics. See where they fit for you, for me. Better times, times now, times in the future. Either way, Made It Parade's last... Ah, Made It Parade's tale, <laughs> Tales Told by Dead Friends sits at number two on my top five of 2007. All right, all right, we're moving on to number one. You guys excited for number one? If you know me, if you like know me well, you already know what this is. <laughs> I'm pretty outspoken about it. If not, you probably don't realize that this record came out this year. This record, 
is the record. The record that got me into all music to the capacity that I'm at now. This record is my favorite record probably of my entire life. Objectively speaking, that's kind of at times I'll waver on it, but like if I'm really looking at it as a whole spectrum, this record is the reason why I wanted to play shows. This record is the reason why I wanted to play music in a band. This record has done so much for my mental health. This record has done so much for me as a person. This record changed my life, and that is Under Oaths Define the Great Line. So, Under Oath, alongside a title fight, is my favorite band. I've seen Under Oath over 15 times. I have their O in the Under Oath tattooed on my back. On my back, it's on my right shoulder. Uh, I love this band. I love this band through and through. I have every one of their records. I would like to get them all on vinyl. They, <laughs> I wish, all they just put them all out on vinyl, and I couldn't really pay for any of them because they're expensive. And I'm trying to be smart about money right now because I kind of took a little bit of a hit on my income source recently. Um, so I am uh, <laughs> trying to be frugal, which is really sad because I, I would really like to own all of them in vinyl someday. So that's a goal of mine to like trying to get, get – I have a lot of their memorabilia, a lot of their stuff. Uh, but I would like to have the full vinyl collection. That would be really cool. I'm a big vinyl collector. So that would be something really sweet for me. I'd, I'd probably just get them all framed most likely. Um, one of those things that you never really get rid of once you get it. <clears throat> this record for me changed the way that I saw music. It changed the way that I wanted to play music. It's crazy because if <laughs> from front to back, this record is beautiful. It is so well done structurally they the way it ebbs and flows it starts with in regards to myself and just as that as i played a second ago in your face right away I said hey we're under oath and we're here to play heavy music but then you have tracks like uh salmar near i can't ever say this right salmar near and casting such a thin shadow that are really mellow casting such a thin shadow is was for a long time my favorite song off this record actually you know people usually go for like writing on the walls or in regards to myself uh casting such a thin shadow though the way the whole song is structured and built is so <laughs> it has such a good build it's such a good build and it started showing me into the delay aspect of guitar it started showing me into like this droney melodic sound that I didn't really know existed that kind of only exists in the underground scene, but it has started to make it splash in pop music too, which is kind of cool. But this really, the really big buildups, the really post rock based sound that I, I, I really, really enjoy was implemented into this metalcore band. And I thought, wow, 
this is so cool. Like I, at the time, like I didn't, I don't really didn't really know all this stuff. You know, I just kind of took music for what it was and moved along because I was still trying to figure out who I was in life in general. And so listening to all this, I just took it at face value and it blew my mind. I remember when I got the, the record, I bought it and I listened to it all the way through. And I was like, I'm listening to that again. And I listened to it every single day, at least five times a day, just with my CD player in my room or when I was on the way to school, on the way home from school, I listened to this all the time. And for, I, I just played from track one, didn't skip didn't skip any of them well i'd skip sal marnier sometimes actually because it's a little slow and you know it has a long build up and casting touch thin shadow though never skipped uh there were some songs that kind of going back in uh listening to i think have a it's interesting because you know when you listen to a record and you listen to it so many times you kind of get the way that the song feels and then if you put it down and then come back and listen to it you hear it a little bit differently and there were a few songs that kind of stuck out to me that I didn't like you're ever so inviting was one of them that I, I really didn't pay attention to as much the first time first couple times like it was a good song but you go back and listen to it, like man this song is like really really cool like some of these parts the way they broke them down the way that they they have like the balance between low end you know rhythmic patterns and then high end inserts that's the way that Under Oath likes to do their 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 songs um, that was very it was very interesting to see how, how just how different a record can sound especially with first getting into the scene and then having years of experience and coming back and listening to it but I think the one that really slept under the rug is everything looks so good from here So this song is heavy. <laughs> this song is like really heavy. <laughs> I was just thrown away. Thrown, I was thrown back on how heavy this song was when I listened to it again. I was just like, man, this song is, you know, it was like, it, it was probably like I took a, a, you know, six months a year off from like actively listening to it every day and went back and listened to it. I was like, oh, I listened to Find the Great Line in a while, like 2008. And I listened to that and I was like, this song is so heavy. And uh, I only got to see him play it once, and that was at Cornerstone. 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 <laughs> we can do this. Cornerstone Festival 2009, uh, which I actually got to play that fest is pretty is a huge huge honor of mine to be able to share the same. We didn't play on the same exact stage, but we got to play the same festival together. It's so so cool. I just get to play with my favorite band ever. Uh, it's so so cool to me still. Um, and man, I, I when they played that song, I went berserk. I was just like, yes, because it's just not. It's not one they play too often. Like I was at there. So oh, right, right. The first Mosh story. So uh, 2006, that fall, they did a tour with Every Time I Die and what was the other band? Uh, Mailing of the Sun is a disaster. Big bummer that we didn't get to see Dallas do a collab with with Under Oath. Would have appreciated that. Uh, and uh, Pierce, no, I was about to say Pierce the Veil. Um, uh, I can't think of the name of the band. Oh well. So that show was the first heavy show I ever went to. Uh, I believe it was a it was a birthday present. I remember that. 
but I believe it was is either my parents or my aunt. So shout out to both all of them for supporting me from like day one in the music scene. Taking me, my dad <laughs> came with me and like four or five other of my friends to the show. <laughs> Every time I die was playing, the show was like sold out. It was packed. Every time, you know, this is my first experience with heavy music. So Maylene kicks off like from the first beat of the drum. They're, they're the opener. And uh, there was a huge, huge push pit. And I was like, what? My friend Ben is standing next to me. And he just like grabs me and pushes me as hard as, you know, as, hard as he can. Because like from the, from the first beat, he was just like knew it was up. He knew it was going on. <laughs> it was sick. Um, and... I remember during every time I die, they're like, let's see a circle pit. And uh, my dad is just like somewhere off to the side. And so the circle pit is, gets to like literally the size of the room. Like it's huge. And uh, I remember he gets sucked in and trips and falls. And one of my friends has to go pick him up. <laughs> and I think that was, uh, that, was, that was my dad's fullest extent to pitting experience he ever wanted to have. <laughs> he, didn't, he looked less than thrilled <laughs> about it. Um, yeah, no, the show, the show is great. Uh, Under Oath has remained consistent from 2006. And I saw them last when they did their tour, I believe it was 2019. Yeah, it was last year. Um, I saw them play with Fit for a King and someone else, I think. I, I don't even know. Uh, Dance Gavin Dance was on there. Um, I watched some of their set. They were okay. No, wait, it wasn't. Oh, Amorosa, my bad. No, I was like, Dance Down Dance is actually pretty good. Amorosa was on there. They were okay. They didn't play any of the songs I wanted to see anyway, but they were just okay. Um, and yeah, they're just consistent, consistently good every single time. Back to this record. I'm getting sidetracked. Back to this record. Okay, so the musical influence that this had on me was permanent. When I listened to this, it was my first introduction into heavy music like period this was like i've had small interactions with it but i think in my in my mind to the degree that this influenced me this was my first introduction there were probably other ones sure but for me this was it and this this what is what really made me want to become become a guitarist this is what made me want to play music because i was so infatuated with the way that they're able to establish the singing and screaming aspect underneath heavy and melodic guitar tones. I, I wanted to be as good as Tim, their guitarist. I wanted to be just like under oath. You know, I really wanted to make the same style of music that they were able to produce at the capacity they were able to produce. I wanted to be in my mind, a rock star, but like at the metalcore level. And uh, I definitely chased that dream for a long time. I definitely tried to <laughs> at, at the best of, of my ability. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't put in the, the right kind of work. I put in work, just not the right kind. I never, I never spent enough time with my guitar. We never had long nights sitting there grinding away scales like I should have. So I was a little sloppy. Still, I'm a little sloppy with guitar play, but that, that's all right. I can. What, what can you do? What can you do? But this record is my it's just so impactful in my life it's i love this record i love this record so much i can't even really put words to say 
So with that, I'm going to wrap this up because we are at an hour and eight minutes. <laughs> um, but thank you for listening. Thanks for checking out my, my top five. Oh, I totally, I meant to say this earlier and I totally forgot. Uh, the reason why Mad Chemical Romance is not on here is because I wasn't as in love with Welcome to the Black Parade as I was with Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Not to say that the what my uh, what Welcome to the Black Parade did for music, <laughs> for the scene, it's what they were able to accomplish is is insane. It is. I mean, they played that song at the New Year's, I think it was two thousand six, two thousand seven uh, New Year's show. Like that's that's crazy. That's how big they were. <laughs> you know, the record was great, but uh, it's not. It doesn't have that impact like the records I've mentioned on this episode have had. So even though I can acknowledge that it's very well done, I think that it's it's a great, solid record. It didn't really hit home for me like Three Cheers would. Like if I did a 2000, whatever year it came out, 2004, 2005, it probably, Three Cheers would probably be on it because that, that was a really impactful record. I believe it was 2005, but I could be wrong on that. It might be 2004. However, welcome. To, so I, I wanted to address that because you know people, somebody in the world may be like, well, what, what about you know, Welcome Back Parade? It was huge. I'm like, yeah, it was huge. It was great. It was very influential to a lot of people, um, and did a lot for music, probably for a lot of people as well and their mental health. But for me, just wasn't as lasting. However, I do want to acknowledge that record in some way or another, and totally just forgot about it. But anyway, I digress. Thank you for listening to this episode of I Used to Be Seen, but now I'm just a dude podcast. If you would like to hear me talk about other content in the future, please shoot me a message or leave a comment on my Facebook or Twitter. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.